Introducing the all-new Romeo y Julieta Passion. The story of this cigar dates back almost a year, during a visit to the Flor de Coupon factory in Honduras. We witnessed the endless amount of passion and love the workers put into each and every cigar. This hand-rolled cigar uses a blend of Dominican and Honduran filler tobaccos, along with a rich and flavorful binder from the U.S. The wrapper is a zesty Ecuadorian Habano leaf that offers up notes of pepper, leather, nuts, and a dash of cocoa. Ignite your passion and pick up a box of the Romeo y Julieta Passion at jrcigars.com. Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Boom, here we are, Jordan. Uh, it is Friday night. Let's do this. Let's do this. This is episode 259 of Smoke Night Live. Uh, this week absolutely flew by. Last we week party. Last week was a big week for the dojo. We had the virtual Rocky Mountain. We hosted the virtual Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival this year. And it was a blast. We had three live shows. We had a cornhole tournament. A little bit of everything. We had some great food. It was... You would think like having an hour in between shows would be enough time, but it fe- instead it felt like we did a six-hour-long show. It did. Oof. It was... That was a... I got to say, Jordan, as from a, uh, a producer standpoint, which you are... That's what I'm doing. That was, that was a challenging... Yeah, just, it was a challenging day. I was just day. going like this... You're just doing a lot of a little bit of that, turning knobs that. and stuff. You know, <laughs> you were the dude. You were killing it. Oh, it was uh, it was fun. Uh, it was tiring and exhausting all at the same time. I'm still somewhat uh, recuperating, and um, but yeah, I know it was great. I can't I can't wait for next year already. In fact, they just announced the date today. I think it's August 28th, uh, 2021. Back to the real deal. Back to hopefully, hopefully. the real deal uh, at the Omni Interlochen in Broomfield. Uh, we have a special guest in the in the audience, Scott Brayband, Trinity Cigar Lounge. Scott, how are you doing? Scott, how was uh, let's let's talk real quick. How, how would you characterize, you know, the first virtual uh, Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest? Oh man, uh, smashing success! I would say a one of a kind experience, and I feel sorry for anybody who wasn't here and missed it. <laughs> The it was, was, that, was that soft selling it too much? There was a little bit of everything. How'd you do a cornhole, Scott? Absolutely horrendous, which <laughs> is about par for the course with me, so that worked out well. Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, you haven't asked how I did. Well, yeah, we don't want to brag or anything. I don't want you to brag. I don't, right I don't want to watch you brag. Me and Emmett Malone took the entire tournament. We are champs for an entire year. Nobody yeah. can take that away from us for a year, Scott. Now, in all fairness, though, Tanner Cole fought you guys tooth and yeah, nail. He true. was a ringer. That's Double true. elimination that tournament, was the people. First game I played, and they spanked us. I think we got yeah. three points the whole game. Tanner, Tanner, and his wife Stephanie—they are uh, really very good. good. They're a good. <laughs> they're a very formidable. Very team. focused. Very formidable. Intense, focused. I would dare say. And Intense. hey, uh, all I can say is, at the very end of the tournament, I'm going to be honest here. Me and Emmett got a tad lucky. I think uh, I think uh, Tanner might have knocked like one of ours in or something for the win, and so like we got. But hey, you know what? It doesn't matter because when it's on the scoreboard, our team was the champs. That's really all that matters. What'd you win? I'd rather be lucky than good. Well, because I am who I am, I didn't win anything. Mm. But had somebody else won, then they would have won. Two point three million dollars. <laughs> we we would have You know what, guys? I I was going to take a couple of weeks off from Smoke Night Live because it was just so, you know, stressed out and burnt out from all of the preparation and everything. But uh, Jordan couldn't when resist you, when you get you the opportunity to bring a guest on like we have on tonight's show. You can't pass it up. No. And we've been tr- we've been wanting to get this guest on for a long time. And so we're really excited that he's, you know, taking the time on a Friday night to join us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Smoke Night Live, Rafael Nodal. Rafael, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Uh, Jordan Eric is uh, an amazing uh, experience for me. I have been wanting to be in the show for a long time. So thank you. Work, uh, it worked both ways. And uh, it's, uh, it's, I, I listen and I watch uh, to the show. So thank you. Thank you for having me here. Well, Rafael, you were on our uh, one of our shows this past Saturday. And you were on with Rocky Patel. You were on with Nick Perdomo. You were on with Tommy Lazuka. You were on with... Who am I forgetting? I'm I'm probably forgetting some. Newmans, Newmans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Newman. I mean, that was a that was a star-studded. You were on your private jet show, apparently, <laughs> and it seemed like you guys really had fun with each other, like bantering back and forth. Like you guys, you have a good relationship with those guys. Listen, yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations on that was an amazing job. And you were talking a little bit uh, at the beginning of the show of that amazing experience. And, uh, you know, you had a lot of great guests. And I know how difficult that is also uh, in terms of putting together all of it and the communication these days and what have you. Uh, but it was, you know, a great job. And I, I watched all three hours of the show. And uh, that was an amazing, amazing show. But, yeah, 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 I get along with them very well. I'm actually in the cigar business because I love the people in the cigar business. I love the, the cigars. And, and these are icons of mine. These are people that I, I watch for a long time, that I respect, that I love. And I get to spend a lot of time with them um, in, in our trips, right? And uh, when we go to Nicaragua, to Honduras, and uh, Dominican Republic, and, and, and traveling in the United States. So we do get a lot of... Uh, a lot of time together, but these are people, man, that I love and respect. It's an amazing, just for for being there, it's just uh, it's incredible for me. Yeah, you know, uh, Rafael, so this has been a crazy year, and we've all sort of had to adjust. I mean, we've had to adjust not going to any trade show and that, that kind of thing and trying to make content in light of there being no trade show. And obviously, it really affects you guys, you know, being brand representatives and whatnot. Um what do you think? How how has the cigar industry handled uh, this situation? It seems to me, and I'll answer first. I'll give you time to think about your answer. It seems to me like we've handled this situation really, really well. Like uh, the cigar industry has adjusted, and I think maybe part of that has to do with the fact that we do all get along, like you just said, and we are. It is such a social hobby that we've been able to just adjust, do these things virtually if we have to. And, um, you know, give me your thoughts on what you think, this, how the cigar industry has kind of handled uh, 2020. Right. Well, uh, in addition to what you said, which is, is true, part has to do with the relationship, because at the end of the day, cigar is something that brings people together. Right. And that's what we are here for. Uh, but think about it. I was just talking to uh, Nestor Placencia today and. Uh, you know, for a guy like uh, they lost everything in Cuba, they lost everything in Nicaragua, they moved to Honduras, went back to Nicaragua. You know, this this pandemic, or it seems very bad, is is really you know when you put it, uh, listen, when you put it in perspective, or my experience of coming from Cuba or living Cuba or uh, been here, or the difficulties of uh, Rocky Patel uh, when he started has done an amazing job of this. Uh, or, or Nick Perdomo, how difficult he has been uh, from the beginning, you know, and then opening the factory in Nicaragua, losing his father who was in charge of the factory, having his uncle later and things like that. So, yeah, so, you know, we, have, we are people, the cigar industry is very resilient, right? So these are families, uh, look appointed for God's sake. These are families, these are people that have gone through a lot. And uh, so a little, uh, not a little, a difficult pandemic will not stop us. But in addition, uh, people like you, uh, that have helped us to take the message to the consumer. And overall, the people that smoke cigar, Eric, the people that smoke cigar, if you smoke cigar, most of the time you are a person that is very optimistic, that sees life different ways, different than, than other people perhaps. Because listen, you're smoking an amazing product that took so many years, so many hands to do it. That um, And I think... Uh, I think that has a little bit to do with it as well. Yeah, no, no, no. You hit the nail on the head with that answer. That's that's a great way to put it. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had Jose Blanco on the show, and his title with Fuente is, uh, I think it's like head of sales of the Eastern Hemisphere, and <laughs> and I thought that that was an interesting title. But then when I read your title, you are the head of product capability for Altidus USA. <laughs> What the heck does that mean? I mean, come on. What, what does that mean? 
Yeah, those titles. And definitely a couple of people in the media when, when I got hired um, and, and uh, we did uh, how we got here because we did a strategic alliance with uh, Altadis USA and to distribute uh, my agent room brand. And, uh, and then I took a position as, as, as the head of product capability. So it's a long title, but what it means <laughs> is that I'm over, over the blends and the quality and bringing together the factories. And for example, at the beginning of the show, you, uh, that's a cigar that we put together. It's uh, a cigar, the Romeo and Julia Passion. So we, we look for the, mar the, the, actual, the look, we design the look, and then I work on the blend with the fantastic people from, uh, from Flor de Copan. So I, I mean, what an amazing opportunity to be doing this. So yeah, so it's a long title, different title, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Just a smoke all the time. Jordan, I, I, I need to get me a title. I don't uh, have. You just, I mean, you say sensei not good I, enough? For no, I need, it needs to <laughs> Seems be. Seems pretty there's, serious. There has to be some sort of like four or five word you know, thing that I, I'll, I'll figure that out. Well, maybe we'll get some suggestions of people on Facebook that are tuning in. All right, Rafael. So since this is the first time we've had you on Smoke Night Live, yeah, I really wanted to delve into your history because I find this story of yours as one of the more interesting ones in the business. And there's a lot of interesting stories in the Very. business. So there are. yeah, so let's get into this. Like you fled Cuba. Back when you were a teenager, like 16 years old, right? Something like that. Yeah. And 15. like that's now when you're 15 years old, 16 years old, you you know you're at the age, Jordan, where you remember all of that stuff. How, like that. How does it? How does one go about fleeing? Yeah, Cuba? I mean, this to me, this if I was a six when I was 16, Raviel, I was like, you know, I was worried about like you know what how clean my sneakers were, you know. <laughs> <laughs> going to going to high, uh, junior high school, but talk about that first before we get the the, fl the fleeing part. You were living in you know communist run Cuba up till that point. What was that like uh, growing up in that country as a communist run country? Yeah, I was born in Cuba. I was born uh, under the revolution. I was born in 1964. The revolution came to power in 19, at the end of '59. Uh, and uh, sorry, the beginning of '59. So uh, yeah, so I was born in the in the revolution. I didn't know anything else. But thanks to my father and my family that are always told us about freedom, about opportunities, and, and other possibilities. So we knew we knew about American. We knew about this wonderful country and these wonderful people. And uh, so it was something that my father always said that one day we were uh, going to leave. But it was difficult. It was difficult in Cuba. We had to work since I was 10 years old. I've been working basically a few hours a day. You have to work on the countryside. A few hours a day you work and a few hours a day you study. So What, 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 say, you what know, were you, you doing can... when you were working on the countryside? What, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, in the area that I was, it was mostly uh, citrus. So it was orange, lemon, things like that. So all the things from, from picking up... Uh, the, pro, the 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 fruits or uh, cleaning the rounds or cleaning the the soil and uh, so all of that I mean but you know think about it man you have kids right so 10 years old right so the kids are living for yourself I was only able to see my parents every 21 days if I was able to meet the daily quote every day for those for that time period if you didn't meet the quote then you you know didn't see the kid the, the parents Jeez. wait a minute uh, now I, they they withheld you from seeing your parents. For up oh, to twenty, yeah. up to twenty-one days. Absolutely. Yeah, well, because you are living, you are living in the countryside, oh, right? God. So you're living by yourself, and you're living there. Um, if you are a student in the cities, and you still have not gone to live in the countryside, if you're a student of the city, at least forty-five days every year, you had to just work. They will take you. They will put you in uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, in the in the middle of the of the countryside, and you work. Now the people in the, in in the in the Pinal del Rio area, everybody, all the young people from Pinal del Rio, they will work on the tobacco. So there are a lot of people that got to work on the tobacco, you know. So when they say, listen, free education, I say, no way. I have always paid for everything I have, <laughs> including my education, right? Wow. Oh, man, that's just insane. Like, it would be so hard as a 10-year-old a child to be away from your parents for a day, let alone three weeks, straight weeks. George yeah, it might sound... Fun for a ten-year-old, uh, you know, guys, but uh, but for a few days. But then, then reality kicks in, right? Right. Now, on the flip side, when Jordan was ten, I would have loved the twenty-one day break. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, no, hey. so no, so Raphael. So then there comes a point when your father and yourself and decide we've got 
we've got to make a break. We've got to get out of here. Like, what led up to that decision? Was there a long time planning, like uh, getting out of there, or was this like a kind of a split decision? Like, boom, we got to go, we got to go, everybody go, get your get your pajamas, let's go. No, it's something that my father always thought about it, and actually because he wanted to leave in 1970. At the time, whoever wanted to leave the country had to pay for for whatever the government will have supposedly give you. So he had to work in the in the fields uh, for two or three years, but uh, he became handicapped uh, out of our work, and then uh, and then they closed the exit, so he was not able to leave. Mm. Um, and then and then in 1980 something happened, right? So in 1980 something called the Marielle boat leave. So a group of individual walk uh, or broke into uh, an embassy, the Peruvian embassy in Havana. And the government got very, very mad and said, listen, guys, uh, you know, whoever wants to leave, they can leave. And in less than, I don't know, half an hour, 10,000 people got into the into the embassy. They closed, obviously, the embassy. And then uh, the government got very, very mad and said, well, well, whoever wants to leave, these are really bad people, because otherwise, why would you love to leave the the paradise that is this uh, fantastic island. So uh, um, they they let people from outside come and pick up families and relatives. But uh, so we had a, a neighbor, right, a neighbor of ours uh, that uh, had lived uh, Cuba 10 years before that was with my father in those uh, working camps. And uh, he made a promise to my dad that it was the one day there was a possibility to come and get them. Uh, he was going to do that. So unbeknown to us, Mm. Uh, this guy was already in Cuba looking for us and was able to bring us on the on the boat. So this, uh, I came in a boat with 300 people. 300, 20, 300 people? How big is this boat? Is it like a... Uh, not, not too big. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of those things that you see in the movies, right? So you see everybody. So we spent a few days there. It was, it was tough. Uh, about 20 friends and family members, and the rest were... There were people from prisons and mental health institutions that the mm. government will put them in those boats um, uh, to show the world that, listen, unless you were a criminal or, or, or have mental health problems, that's the only way you wanted to live there. So in that time, in three months or, or a little bit more than a few months, I came on May 31st, but there were people coming June, July, and uh, about 125,000 people fled Cuba within that particular time. Wow. And uh, if you ever want to see that, you can, the beginning of the movie is Scarface. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Wow. That's a crazy. And, and so typically, like, sailing from Cuba to Key West, Florida is, like, a oh. half, half a day. But you guys ran into some storms, and it, it took, like, four days for you to get there. Like, what happened? Do you, yeah. do you, do you recall that pretty well in your mind? Can you still oh, remember I everything? I, well, no, I do. I do. For a while, by the way, you know, for a while, for a few years, I did not want to talk about it. Mm. didn't want to remember it. And, you know, now I know it's something called, uh, you know, uh, psychologically, you, you're just trying to protect yourself and, and you just don't, you know, you're in denial. You put that behind. And then, uh, but then, you know, I, it came back to me. Listen, uh, we were on those boats. We have no water, no food. It was supposed to be a short sit, uh, an easy thing. Um, then uh, a storm came, came the motors broke we were able to get some communication from another boat that was uh, alone um, we don't know what happened to the people and uh, and then uh, we were able to get that communication but uh, then it broke again so we were just standing there you know thinking very much that that was the end right uh, until one morning one morning maybe I don't know three four o'clock in the morning all of the summer the sun is coming out and by the way if you really want to feel alone, even in the middle of 300 people, spend a night in a boat in the middle of the uh, uh, loss in the in the sea, right? Oh, uh, that is that is uh, that is is bad, right? Uh, so um, we one morning, as, as I mentioned, three four o'clock in the morning, we saw this. What I thought it was the biggest flag ever and the biggest boat <laughs> ever. It was a Coast Guard, right? Oh. Was, you know, it seemed at the time the biggest flag ever, which is probably not the case, but I tell you, uh, that was like, uh, you know, so it's, it's like a movie. You have the raid, some race coming, like a God hands there, send you the Coast Guards. It's amazing, amazing people. And they, they took some of the people that were really in bad shape in helicopters. And then the others, also, we, we basically were pulled to Key West. So my first uh, place in, in, uh, in the United States was Key West. And that was wow. May 31st uh, of 1980. 
got Raphael a few years ago at the IPCPR show in Vegas. I got stuck in an elevator for 30, 30 <laughs> minutes, and I thought I was going to die. Like, you were on a boat for four days. I would have gone absolutely oh my gosh. ballistic. So tell me, the first, what was the first thing you did when you got off that boat and you knew that you were on friendly soil, you had made it, and, I mean, obviously you probably were, had a massive relief and a, a huge weight lifted off your shoulder, but what was the very first thing you did when you got there? Let me tell you, uh, it was it was surreal because there were a lot of boats that were coming, a lot of volunteers that were helping the people come out of the boat, fill out papers. So, I mean, we came with a closet we had that we couldn't use again. Um, so we got some clothes. Uh, but I, I have to tell you, there is some amazing thing. That they gave me, as soon as I got out of the boat, they gave me a cold Coca-Cola oh. and, an apple, and an apple. Oh, my God. I have never, never ever seen a coca-cola or or an apple and um i knew it existed uh uh but let me tell you what what a thing right so that everybody got the first thing they got was an apple and a coca-cola and immediately i fell in love with this country a lot of volunteers people welcome to liberty and things like that so they fill out our papers you know so I, and everything so it was uh just starting a new life right wow uh, amazing that's incredible i mean just i i would imagine that to to this day when you wake up in the morning and you know you'll never ever forget what you went through to get here and probably when you wake up in the morning or when you have a coca-cola or an apple rum and coke you know it probably just you know gives you a rush of of memory to that very moment when you knew that you were free absolutely Eric. listen uh that's why when you said about the pandemic, about the difficulty things, when you put it in perspective, like uh, as everything, because even to get to that point from when we got from home to the boat, we had to spend uh, maybe 30 days in home arrest just because we wanted to leave the country that we have. We were put in a place in the, near the boat, so there were hundreds of or thousands of thousands of people together. Um, you know, we didn't have food. You had to do your necessities right there where you were standing. So let me just tell you, my friend that uh, every single day, not a day passes by, that I am not grateful to God, grateful to my parents that did this amazing, difficult thing to get your kids right. So uh, out of, uh, of that situation and into into an unknown, we knew it was liberty, but it was still it's, it's very difficult um, uh, and unknown, and, and then put our life at risk. But I have to tell you, Every single day, I give uh, thanks to God and to the American people and to this government and to this amazing country because uh, uh, it is uh, this is uh, it's an amazing thing. So, you know, I am glad that we're doing okay with the cigar. I had a difficulties getting here, but I have I must tell you, nothing. I mean, for everything <laughs> for me, everything for me, a cigar, a light, you know, turning on the light, hot water, right. electricity. Uh, um, um, you know, a, a refrigerator. I mean, for me, everything is like a plus, right? So I am one of the most optimistic person that you will ever see. And I got it from my father because uh, he made that, and my mother, they made that amazing decision to get us here. Oh, I, I mean, I got to say, like, we've, we've, we've had a lot of origin stories, Jordan, on the show. That one... That one was the real deal. That, and I, I just want to... It's wanna like thank, a movie, yeah. I really want to thank you for sharing that because I know there's probably some... Some rough memories, Raphael, that, you, that you're skipping. From so. an audience question, Scott Braben saying, "Does Coca-Cola still hold a special place in your heart? Like when you oh, dr- when you yeah. drink one, like now, do you, does that send you right back?" Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, I unfortunately I, I don't eat as many apples as I should, uh, but but I did one uh, maybe an hour ago, and uh, and uh, but I do Coca-Cola is one something that especially when. When uh, I saw this, because I was giving the Coca-Cola in that in a, in a can, but it was in a, in a in a small like a tall bottle, right? And then later on, they brought those bottles, the small bottles back. And my friend, I I have, I, I tell you, I swear not, I have a collection of Coca-Cola bottles since mm. eighty, I believe eighty-three. You know, they used to do this uh, um, Christmas thing with the with the Santa Claus and <laughs> right. with the Martin and other things. I have a collection. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome, That's man. Great. What is? Hey, so at this point in your life, you're not a cigar guy, and that doesn't happen until later. So we're gonna sort of fast forward. Maybe give us a 
kind of a quickie fast forward to the point from where you are eating an apple and drinking a Coca-Cola on the beach in Key West all the way up to where you become a how do you how do you get to the being in in There's some int- music involved maybe interested in cigars <laughs> Uh, at some point along along the yeah. line, the quick the quick thing. So from there, from that date, uh, I, we went to New York City, uh, and my father had another friend in New York City. Went to live with them, and I continued my musical education. I started back in Cuba in nineteen. I don't remember the year, but when I was six or seven years, I started playing violin. So I went to New York City and I pick up uh, piano, violin, uh, continue my violin uh, uh, composition, con- uh, conducting, and so I went to music school there. But my mom had a an accident, I had a, was in bed for a year, the cold weather was very difficult, and every Cuban, the dream was to come to the mega, right, to Miami. And uh, so for New York City, an amazing city that I love, respect, and I try to go whenever I can, we came to Miami, I started my, my own opera group that didn't work, and I started in healthcare, I started cleaning floors, my first job, I was 19 years old, and uh, then made it to director of finance of the hospital, uh, went as the CEO of a national uh, executive director of uh, a national company, uh, healthcare, mental health, uh, psychiatric services. And when I was working there, I met a, one of my employees at the time. Now he's my partner, Hank Bishop. And uh, Hank uh, thought that every Cuban is, uh, you know, smoke cigars. And, you know, so uh, he was going to go to um, one of the places that he, Little Havana, that will buy that he buy his regular, used to buy his regular cigar, which was Nick Perdomo. At the time, it was, uh, I believe it was Nick's uh, Cigars or something like that. And I went there and I bought my first cigar, <laughs> never before, my first box of cigar, uh, La Tradición, uh, uh, Perdomo, La, La Tradición. And uh, let me tell you, I, I, I smoked my first cigar with Nick, with Janine, with Al and Michael. I went that evening and I told my wife, I am going into the cigar business. <laughs> <laughs> what a first way to uh, way to that first smoke your first that cigar. That is incredible. Goodness. Like you just at that moment, there was just this pivotal like epiphany in your life, and you just said, "I want to be in this industry." I mean, to me, that's that's amazing. Like it wasn't a, a long transition; it was like that moment. No. That moment, and because because listen, only Nick, right? You know Nick Perdomo, right? And we talked before a little bit before. Oh yeah. Nick is a guy with tremendous passion and uh, it's a lot of enthusiasm and all that. And, you know, I healthcare has been a fantastic business for me. I did very well. I move fast. I move very fast. So I thought, listen, if I could do that in healthcare, which is a, you know, it's a major industry, I can definitely do that in the cigar. <laughs> well, let me just know. God is funny, right? Uh, God he has a sense of humor and, uh, it's been one of the most difficult things for me, uh, for sure. It's very difficult, but one that I, I enjoy and I, I really, every single step, whether it has been difficult or not, I, I really, you know, enjoy truthfully this. I mean, obviously, because people like my wife, Hank, my family have helped. And then to make this, so I'm telling my wife this and her family in Cuba has been, listen to this, Eric. This is amazing. So I'm telling my wife that, and my wife's family has been growing tobacco for <laughs> two years in Cuba. <laughs> it's amazing. Mm. So, and, and the father, actually the father um, already passed away, uh, and uh, the father used to distribute Aurora cigars in the United States when before Miami Cigar had it. So not only they have been distributed, his uncle and family were working with uh, Julio Iroa in, uh, in Honduras, and they were in Cuba... Uh, um, they were in Cuba, um, uh, neighbors of Olivita from Oliva Cigar, from uh, from Placencia. Uh, you know, the family knew the family of Eje Fernandez. I mean, this is a, it was in a small world, and little did I know. That just seems like, like everything was just meant to be and sort of put into place. Now, we're going to pick up with the story uh, with Rafael Nadal. After this commercial break, Jordan, Yes. this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest Online cigar oh, yeah, stores. Right. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, including the brand-new exclusive Romeo and Julieta Passion. Don't forget to check out their social media pages, including YouTube, where they feature cigar reviews, interviews, and their famous weekly top five videos. Check out JR Cigars for all of your premium cigar needs. By the way, exciting news. JR Cigars will be the sponsor for another year. 
this is the basically the anniversary, so we're set up for another year. Jordan, we, we, we're not getting canceled. We are ready. We're not getting canceled. We're still <laughs> going to do this for another year. We're still doing this? So we're excited. And um, so thank you to JR Cigars and all the great people there. We love those guys, Nick and Christine and everybody else. So you guys are amazing to us, and that's what keeps us going. So we, this is episode 259 of Smoke Night Live, where we're talking with Rafael Nodal. And we before we went to commercial break, Rafael was saying how he... Smoked a cigar that was Nick Perdomo's, and then he just knew at that moment he was going to be in the industry. Uh, but I'm assuming there was probably some trial and error before you became the owner of Boutique Blends and Aging Room. Like, t- talk about that uh, intermediary, you know, span of time when you were trying to get into the cigar industry. A lot of trials and mostly errors, right? <laughs> so. Uh, sure. But before we continue that, let me just tell you that if you, you just mentioned JR, look there in addition to the Romeo and Julio Passion, an amazing cigar, Cabañas, which yeah. is uh, made by Pepin uh, Garcia family and by, uh, it's, uh, it's exclusive of, uh, uh, of JR Cigar, an amazing cigar. You can find their great price point. Cabaña was the first, the first Cuban cigar brand uh, made exclusively by the Garcia family, by my father, too, for JR. So having said that, I mean, wanted to put that little little thing there. Having said that, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, I started first on the Internet. So Hank and I that became partners, and we started on the Internet with, together with my wife, uh, who is a psychiatrist. And, you know, she, uh, all her brothers and sisters decided not to continue in the cigar. Uh, and they went into all of the three of them in medicine. Uh, so we went to sell cigar in 1999. That's when we opened up, uh, started on the internet and um, uh, started internet site selling cigars. And there I got the opportunity to meet a lot of the manufacturers. And obviously, um, and then I, I was uh, one of the brands that we were selling a lot was Oliveros. At the time, Olivero was mostly flavored cigars. They used to be the Lone Ladies and the Vanillas and the Sweet. And uh, and I talked to and, and they they contract. He froze. He froze. Oh, there we go. Very you're you're back. To make uh, was uh, uh, okay. So I got disconnected a little bit, guys. So I was saying that uh, yeah, I apologize. The internet first harps. Uh, a lot of kids are downloading the games. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, so we uh, we we made a cigar with Nick Perdomo for Oliveros uh, Oliveros Grand uh, Oliveros uh, Grand Reserva, and that was my introduction to working with Nick then directly and uh, and with the Oliveros. Then Oliveros closed, and I bought. We bought the brand, and we opened up in 2002 our own factory in Dominican, and started selling Oliveros and another brand called Habana Cuba Cigar. Uh, and that's how I got into really wholesale because I you know meeting all these. Fantastic people, put us indios, right? The Reyes family, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, that have just sold to General Cigar at the time, and people like Nick and, and you know the Padrones, amazing group of people. And I said, this is what I want to do, and I started uh, wholesaling and manufacturing the the, the Oliveros uh, brand. And then at some point, uh, boutique brand blends and aging room comes along, and now you've got your, you know, you've got a bigger portfolio of product. Right, right, and and uh, so things were not working as we expected on the Oliveros. So uh, you know, we we were trying to make cigar for everybody. If you like mild cigar, let's do this, and you like this and like that, and it was not working. So we created uh, the. We decided, listen, if we are having so many problems, we're gonna make cigar that we enjoy, and we started with a more uh, a small batches type of uh, approaches, tobaccos that we only had a little bit, and we. Uh, and we started uh, Boutique Blends back in 2011. And then uh, immediately we got a fantastic rating with uh, one of the cigars. And we put another, the Asian 4 or 855 in 2013 was the number two of the year. And uh, and that's how we, we got into this uh, Boutique Blend. And let me tell you, the moment that I stopped making cigars for other people and I started making cigars for me, that's when things started working. Mm, right. You never know how, how things are going to work, but that's how the way it works. You know what's crazy, Jordan? I don't. I don't know if you remember this or not, but <clears throat> back in the day, the dojo started. Cigar dojo started in 2012, and that was like pre-FDA problems and whatnot. And 2014, 15, 16, all those years. Remember, Jordan? Like every manufacturer was sending us tons of like stuff to give away as 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 gifts or prizes and contests and all that kind of stuff. 
But one of the very, very first ones that ever sent us anything was the aging room and that sw- swag. We got like a swag. We got a bunch of stuff from you. And so, like, th- this is an interesting synergy. Like, uh, that was, you guys were back, you know, with the dojo way back in, like, 2013-ish. That's that's correct. So we, we started like that. Listen, we need to take the word out. We need to tell the people what we're doing. Uh, you know, it made us uh, look at the world differently. And then uh, look at it was a business. I think what happened until that time, we're just trying to make cigar. We thought if you make a good cigar, you're going to sell it. I said, and but it's, it's a little bit more than that. It's, it's actually a lot more than that. And yeah, so that's it's interesting. So we're back and it's, you know, but, but you know, Eric, that's the world, right? The, the world goes round and round, you know, so it's definitely... Yeah, and now, at that point, Rafael, what was your role in the the cigars that were coming out with Aging Room and Swag? Were you uh, getting yourself involved in the blending process? Like, when did that part of it start? When you were really really diving deep into, hey, I want to, you know, I want to, you know, play a bigger role in in what this cigar tastes like and what it looks like and all of that. Yeah, kind of so. Stuff. Right. So um, um, in at that moment, I when when Oliveros was not doing very well, I uh, I spent a lot of time in Nicaragua and Honduras with the Placencia family, really learning the tobacco. Right. Start visiting the farm, really learning about that. I just thought that I was missing the tobacco uh, part of it. Uh, so every single project that we have ever put out, I am the one that that works on the blends and the ones that decided. Uh, I it uh, you know either do the, the or with my son, for example, my partner Hank, do the the anillos, do the boxes, name the cigars, name things. So everything that we do, Eric, is very personal. So everything that we have done is extremely personal. So I got, thanks God that I got the opportunity to work with uh, amazing people to learn. And uh, I thought that that's what I was missing, right? Uh, because people, you know, visit the factories from time to time and, you know, you enjoy, you learn a little bit. But I thought that I was missing that. So immersing myself in the tobacco, I spent, I think, three to four years there, three and a half years learning. I rented a house, spending the time, and uh, and that's how that's how I got to learn a little bit. Right. That was my beginning part. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to your credit, uh, Rafael, there, there are people that could spend their entire lives living there and not be a good a blender or a, um, being able, able to determine, hey, this is... This is where we end with this blend. This is the final product, that kind of thing. So, you know, there there was clearly something in you that you had all along as a boy all the way up to being a man where you had this, you know, desire to be creative and this desire to, like, create a product that other people would enjoy. Because I don't, I don't know, like, if, if they put me in Nicaragua for... I, li- I know when I like a good cigar. You might just drink a bunch of Tonya. But I might just drink a bunch of Tonya and, <laughs> and go to bed every night at 8 o'clock. But, so, Rafael, you, ha- you had this ability deep inside you all along, but you just it came out when you, were, you, were, you got so interested in this that you were probably eating, sleeping, breathing this whole you know, cigar industry. You just wanted more and more of it. You probably couldn't stop. Right. Well, listen, I'm a creative person. I'm a musician. I, I compose. I play. Um, I collaborate on the music. So um, so I think that my background does that. For me, the cigar is just another type of expression, how to express myself, another vehicle to for my expression. So whether it's in the music, painting, or, or, just, uh, or just or writing, which I do, or uh, uh, and, and tobacco is just another expression. So what I found in the cigars, I, I love to eat, as you know, look at me. I love to eat, <laughs> and I love to, to, uh, to taste new, new, new flavors. And new, so what I've done with my blends, and again, every, and I work with a lot of different blenders, they all, uh, we all uh, do it different ways. But for me, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a way of uh, uh, looking for flavors and profiles, and it's an expression. You know, I'm, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell story, and I think what I'm doing with uh, our cigars is telling a story throughout the flavor. It's not only the packaging, the beautiful presentation that uh, we've we done in a cigar like the, like the, the, the Romeo and Juliet Passion, but the idea is to... To really tell the story, um, not only like I said in the presentation, but in addition, in the in the flavor profile, and that's what we're trying to do, and that that has been fantastically uh, well received. Yeah. So then we sort of fast forward just a couple of few years to 2017, and that's where the 
the uh, uh, Altidus um, uh, what do you want to call it? Partnership. Collaboration. Yeah, collaboration partnership comes around. Um, talk a little bit about that. How did that go down for you? Uh, they contact you. You contact them. Maybe you guys were working together no, already. No, they, they didn't contact me. They didn't contact me. I'm a dreamer and I really drink very high. And they had a cigar. <laughs> they had a cigar, I believe, in 2013 or something. I believe it was uh, the Romeo by Romeo and Julia, right? Mm -hmm. uh, red and white, very different, very unique, different modern uh, blend right. uh, for everything they have done very different. And I approached them. I fell in love with that cigar. I would buy that cigar very often. Like I do, by the way, with many other cigars. Now I do get it from, from my friends, but I, I do buy a lot. And, um, and uh, I approached them and, and I told them, listen, can I make a Romeo uh, cigar for you guys? And we... <laughs> Listen, everybody in my company, every friends, everybody said, that why you, why you crazy? Then I'm listening to you. But I'm a dreamer. I mean, all they can say is, no, I approached them. Um, Javier Estades, which is our president, now president of Tabacalera USA, and I, I told them that. And they, they, they were missing in the boutique area. They were, um, uh, they were looking and expanding on that. And we created the Romeo by uh, Aging Room. Uh, Romeo by, it's a long name. <laughs> Romeo by Romeo and Juliet, Agent Room. I mean, you know, very, very long. There's a lot of and, ROMs and, and, in there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you listen, I told them I want to be in charge of the, 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 the creation of the packing. I want to be in charge of naming the site. And I want to be in charge of the, of, the, of the cigars. And they, to my big surprise, they say yes. And we made it in Tabacalera Palma, where I was making my engine room with my partner, Ochi Blanco. And that's how we got into, that's how the first thing. And that did very well. The, the synergy was there. And, um, and then uh, they, they, we agreed that it was good for them to distribute the cigar if I came to work with the company. And uh, what an amazing opportunity. So uh, yeah. my boss, Javier Estadio, is a visionary. I always looking to expand, uh, creating. We have three companies. We have JR Cigar. We have Casa de Monte Cristo. And we have uh, Altadis USA, which is the, the distribution part and wholesale part. So I am I work with Javier in Tabacalera uh, USA, which is uh, over this and overseeing the the blends for, for all the three three um, companies. It's an amazing opportunity. Now, now, Rafael, just think back to... When you were like, you know, do you had the failures when you were first getting into the industry, and you said like you had more failures than successes, and it was a struggle, which makes sense. It's tough to get into an industry like this. Did you ever, at that point, you know, think like someday, like I will be the guy like in charge of brands like you know Trinidad and like Onyx and Romeo and Julieta and H. Upman and Monte Cristo? I mean, that's amazing to think that you went from there in such a short amount of time to where you are right now. Listen, I a dreamer. Uh, I am a dreamer, and I thought, hey, listen, I have to make it because um, um, you know I I have to work hard on this. But never in my wildest dream I thought that I will have the opportunity to work um, in, in with amazing, uh, iconic brands like you say. With uh, started in my my uh, country and uh, like Monte Cristo, Romeo and Julia, and all those, and and to do it here and now work with amazing group of professional, knowledgeable, like the Grupo de Maestro, and then brought some relationships like uh, A.J. Fernandez, like Placencia, to our company. And uh, no, so I really, even in my wildest dream, I thought one day I would make it, but in a small company with me, you know, but never thought that mm -hmm. we would have uh, an international reach uh, like uh, like we do like we do now, right? Oh, I mean, it's in, it's it's, a, it's it's the ultimate um, you know American success story, right, Jordan? Like that's what everybody dreams of. Monte Cristo. I mean, come on, like that's you're making cigars for Monte Cristo. That's incredible. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. So, uh, so Rafael, now uh, then the big you know you've already had cigar of the year number two. There was a number two cigar of the year, and I think the number one that year was a Cuban, Jordan. So like, yeah, I remember you guys kind of like back in the day, you'd be like. We really were the number one cigar. Yeah, here. I mean, <laughs> and, and that was sort of true. Like, yeah, and it, and it, yeah, it you know, that was true because everybody wanted like the 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 the, the top cigar that the they could actually get. get. Right, but in, right, oh, no, we yeah. did, and it was number two by default in the United States. Was number one, but listen, in the books says number two, and I am <laughs> very very competitive guy, right? So <laughs> I try very hard that I I you know I uh, to to. Uh, 
to really do the best I can. And I really wanted a number one and continue working towards because at the end of the day, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's great to be acknowledged by the critics or by the people that do this for a living, people like you guys. And uh, so, when you know, when I get a review, whoever does the review and I see something bad, then I try to, you know, I don't get mad. I don't get this. I don't No, no, no. I I take it at least and I say, can I improve on this? And that has been my way of working. And uh, it has come into where I am now. So, yeah, I, number two, it's not number one. Eh? Yeah, but then you did it just this past year. Uh, the number one cigar of the year with the Nicaragua, uh, the Aging Room Nicaragua. Now, talk about that. I mean, obviously, I know that people, uh, you know, uh, they all know that the Cigar Dojo list is the best list. But, no, let's face it, the Cigar <laughs> Aficionado list, if you make it number one on that list, that's a that's a life-changing moment. That is a game-changer for the company and the brand. Talk a little bit about that this past December when that was announced. Where you were, did you have an inkling? Did you feel good about going into it, or was it a total shock? It, it you know, uh, when they start, first they start with the number 10. And by the way, being number one in any list is an amazing accomplishment, right? So that's that's something that's for sure. Um, so they, uh, Cigar, uh, Cigar Aficionado started with the number 10. Last year, we had released in Monte Cristo, Nicaragua, and we got the number 10. And But we didn't get anything else on the top. We got another, we got a Romeo by Aging Room later, also there. But um, in, in the number 14, 15, so 22, I don't remember the number. But uh, it was in the top 25. But, uh, you know, so this year in December, they started with the number 10. We got the number 10. It was the the a new a new addition that year, the H. Oldman. 175th anniversary, right? Oh, that's a heck of a cigar. That is a great cigar. You're making a cigar, right, uh, um, for a short man to celebrate a 175th anniversary, right? So that was amazing. So we got a number 10, and that was, for me, that was enough. Uh, and then we got this, the, you know, the 9, the 8, the 7, and I don't see myself there. And we knew <laughs> that we had received very good rating that year with Asian Room 4 Nicaragua. I have been in the market for two years. Uh, uh, and, you know, so uh, the number two, uh, Padron, was announced. I, I called them. I congratulated them. I said, well, there's no way, right? right? There's really no way I'm doing anything else. So that day, that day, I had just had surgery a few days before. And I had a hernia surgery, and I I turned off the phone, turned off the phone that day. I went to the to my uh, to my uh, uh, doctor. I, I I was I had a follow up doctor, and uh, so I want to tell you this. It's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a very funny story. So I am at the doctor, but the name <laughs> of the doctor is Doctor Gustavo Placencia, which is a brother, right? He's a brother okay. of uh, of uh, Nestor Placencia. Oh, wow. And I'm in his office, and I am he's checking uh, for my. Uh, I had a hernia operation. I take a box of cigar, not that one. I took a Monte Cristo 50th anniversary that we just had released, and uh, so I'm sitting there. I, he finally got to see me. I'm I'm with him. And my pants down, and it's uh, it's it's uh, it's so yes, at least, yeah, yeah. The visual. Right. We got the visual. Yeah, he's really going The nurse comes in, and I say, uh, "I'm sorry, Doctor Doctor Placencia, but there's so many calls uh, for Rafael. I don't know if it's an emergency. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Carlos Padron, which he worked with." Uh, is an attorney and work with them uh, is on the line. And uh, I don't know if it's an emergency. Can I pass it? And he said, yeah, sure. So picture you that I, I got a I phone what, what, what the doctor is uh, uh, is uh, looking at me. And uh, and all of a sudden, he's telling me, you got the number one. How you feel? And I said, well, like someone is touching my ball. <laughs> That's how I, I did out. not expect that. <laughs> that is that is the greatest story ever told on Smoke Night Live. Can't top that. <laughs> you can't top that. <laughs> uh, I, I was gonna go back and ask about that H. Upman, but now I feel like we, no. We, ask away, Jordan. Ask so away. <laughs> ask away, uh, Rafa. Uh, on that uh, on that H. Upman, you guys had quite the unique blend, uh, medio tempo rapper. Were you involved in? That uh, oh, yeah. how involved are you in that in that process? Yeah, I I I, I work in I work in the, every single blend. So that that was an amazing thing because at the time I was just doing the blends. I was not now. I'm in charge of marketing as well. 
So I have to do my team and I, we work on the whole concept of the, of the cigar. But at the time I was only doing uh, the, the, the blends. So when Marky Titolo, so we want to come up with a new uh, 175th, I go to AJ and uh, I have seen a, a rapper that he had uh, shown me the year before and I've seen it the year before in fermentation, right? So he told me the whole story of that. In medio tiempo, he did it, the fermentation was a little bit different because AJ took something very different. He took, uh, put in a pilon, but since the medio tiempo, he wanted to ferment it more slowly. What he did is in the pilon, he put layers. First layers of the of the broad of a broad leaf tobacco, mm. layer of the of the of this medio tiempo, layer again of the broad leaf, and he only added humidity to the broad leaf, right? He mm. didn't add humidity to this. Normally you add humidity mm. to all you, you get them wet, so how the temperature goes up. But basically the what he did is now you get a slower fermentation. And he did that for almost three years, right? Wow. So, uh, so I went and I asked him, "Hey, remember that rapper?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah I still am working. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on a project. Said, man, I have an amazing opportunity. Let's take a look at it." I look at that. I only seen them on Pilon. I have not seen it on the Pacas. And when I go and see it, that that thing will stretch like it was, uh, like like I mean, like a piece of cloth that stretch like that. I said, mm. "Man, we need to do this." And um, AJ is an amazing friend, and he said, well, if you know, if you want it for something special, and that's how we did it, and uh, we use it for that. It was difficult finding the right blend for that because such a, I had never tasted that blend. That, that By the way, that's the, the wrapper, the medio tiempo that is used on the vehicle, right? So it's a, it's for the Cuban vehicle, that's a, a, a unique a, a unique uh, wrapper. And, you know, medio tiempo, for those of, uh, of, of the audience that may not know, medio tiempo are two leaves. <clears throat> excuse me, that appear on top of the Ligero uh, and, and sometimes in different, not in every single plant and definitely not in every single year. So it's very, very unique. Well, yeah, that, that caught me because, uh, because they're above the Ligero, they're pretty small leaves, I would think. And you guys, you guys rolled this thing on like a, on a Churchill. In a Churchill. Well, this particular uh, uh, seed was a hybrid. So it was a little bit uh, bigger than your ne- uh, normal um, normal uh, um, um, leaf, uh, mm-hmm. but but <clears throat> we actually tried different ways. We wanted to do that uh, uh, that uh, f- uh, fifty uh, by by seven, uh, and we almost couldn't do it. So we actually have to solder, get the biggest one and be able to do it. So right. we have very limited, so it's a very limited edition. And let me tell you, that cigar, for those of, of, uh, of the audience that are listening, if you get that cigar and you age it and, and just had this uh, last weekend, last weekend I had one that I've been sitting on since the production date, and that cigar, man, in, it's, it's just getting better and better and better. And uh, and uh, in two or three years, that cigar will be one of the best cigars that anyone can smoke. Oh yeah, it was it was amazing. When I, that's in our top five of that was in our, that was like our, yeah top five limited edition cigars. Yeah, that's fantastic cigar, Rafael. So uh, this is the part of the show, Rafael, where you can talk about like what's what you're working on now, what's coming up, what can people look forward to. You guys have had a lot of big hits. I mean, the Henry Clay Warhawk uh, that was got a new size of the uh, Quattro Nicaragua. Right? Yeah, the new size coming out. So what's to get, give us the uh, the four one one on what's coming up with what you guys got going on. So last year we started expanding uh, some of our unique blends, like the the Roman Julia eighteen seventy five. We started with the Nicaragua, made a Placencia. Then we uh, then we started with very unique uh, Connecticut grown in Nicaragua. Then we uh, we just released the Onyx uh, Vault. Onyx is a brand that has been with us for a long long time. Uh, it had fantastic ratings uh, when it began, but we wanted to do something a little bit bolder. So we worked with AJ with this amazing wrapper, San Andres, extremely well fermented. Uh, we just also released uh, something that has been doing extremely well. Uh, I love the packaging because it's blue, and uh, <laughs> you know you you know you never had a Romeo and Juliet blue, but I, I you can see uh, I love blue, and uh, mm-hmm. so decided to do this uh, this blue. And that has been uh, amazing. So we just expanded. We have a, you know, we have amazing brands like Romeo and Juliet, like uh, Monte Cristo and uh, A. Shortman. But we also have 
a lot of uh, other brands like Trinidad. So we are just uh, working in an amazing Trinidad that is going to be released pretty soon. So it has mm. not been announced yet. And uh, it, it is it is amazing, amazing one. And then we have others like the San Luis Rey that we also looking back to the heritage and trying to get that Cuban-esque flavor type of thing that we also be going to be releasing. And then we have some special thing coming in in Monte Cristo. Ah, listen, this is the 85th anniversary of Monte Cristo. Um, so we're coming with uh, something very, very nice on that. And also in the Romeo and Juliet, uh, Romeo and Juliet that started in 1875, this is the 145th anniversary. So obviously we didn't have the show uh, to, to showcase that and we were not going to participate anyway. So what we decided to do is spread it out anyway throughout the year. And uh, we have some amazing things. And in the Agent Room Quattro, as you mentioned, we just announced uh, an sign extension of this. You know, the, the, the Agent Room Quattro is, uh, is, a, is a torpedo, it's a bellicoso, and we are now going to do it a figurado, which has also close here. It just bring a new a new uh, dynamic dynamics and dimension to the blend. So something that we are extremely happy about that. Did you uh, when you when you got you know involved in all these you know historic brands, Monte Cristo and so on? Did you like you know take a dive back and look at the history and try to get inspiration from stuff that they had done in the past, or were you just like? I'm only looking at the future and I want to do, you know, how, what was your inspiration for dealing with these iconic brands? You know, uh, listen, uh, you cannot work. First of all, I was very nervous, right? I thought, hey, listen, I can do this. But then when reality comes, you you, you are extremely nervous because all of a sudden you, you have to do it. And, and, and listen, it's not the same uh, as blending for the Asian room uh, where, where we go, where, where we want to go. Uh, but when you have amazing, iconic brands, it's different. So, yes, we did look at the history. The history started in Cuba, in Monte Cristo, for example, in, uh, in 1935. And uh, we, we look at the history. We also, our company as well, owns, as you know, 50% of the, of the Cuban cigar brands. Uh, they're not distributed here in the United States. But uh, we work, so we all meet, we'll work, and, uh, and uh, I have an amazing opportunity to work with uh, this fantastic group of people that are doing those great blends as well. So that has been a, a tremendous inspiration. So now what we've done, we don't have a factory in Nicaragua, right? So we have factory in Dominican, which is uh, Tabacalera de Garcia, 50 years in Flor de Copan in Honduras, which is, has been, uh, I believe, it's 44 years right now. And uh, we don't have a Nicaragua. So Nicaragua, we wanted to bring some of those amazing uh, brands and a sprinkle the Nicaragua origin. And that's what I have been uh, working and, uh, and, and been, able, been able to do with our partners, with Placencia and A.J. Fernandez. Well, yeah, you couldn't be working with better partners in Nicaragua than those two. So that's incredible. Hey, uh, Rafael, I want to thank you so much for taking the time on this Friday night to join us on Smoke Night Live. My friend, it was a fantastic show. Your story was engaging, and I literally had goosebumps the whole time you were talking. It was it was absolutely amazing. Thank you both for this amazing evening, for giving me this amazing opportunity to talk about what we are doing, the work. And, uh, you know, it's uh, cigars is something that brings people together. So we strive every day to do the best we can because we take very serious, right, the responsibility of making the best cigar we can for people that are listening and people that enjoy cigars. Awesome. Hey, uh, don't go away, Rafael. I want to talk to you after the show for a second. Guys, Wednesday, it's uh, we're back to Flavor Odyssey, and we're they're going to dive into the Habano wrapper, and they'll be smoking the Davidoff Late Hour. Uh, the pairing has not been announced yet, but the cigar will be the Davidoff Late Hour, and they'll have the special guest, Klaus Kellner, will be on the show talking about Habano wrapper and what they might, uh, Robbie and Randy, w- might expect from that rapper as we dive into a four-week stint with Habano rappers. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. Uh, that's Wednesday. Next Friday night on Smoke Night Live, we'll have Luis Cuevas on the show from Casa Cuevas. Luis is a great guy. He supports everybody. Like, Luis Cuevas, Coolest he's guy. a guy that just, he supports all the brand. He's a great dude. And then the week after that, we'll have the Bourbon Junkies on the show, which will be fun. Uh, getting those guys on the show on Smoke Night Live. As far as tonight goes, we're just getting started. So 
post you're now playing on the Dojo Verse. Post what you're smoking. Post what you're drinking. We'll be having what fun about, all uh, night. What about a little contest coming up? Yeah, I'll talk about that tomorrow on Facebook. I don't want to talk about it on this show. Fair enough. For certain reasons, but uh, we have a contest coming up this weekend. I'll tell you guys the. De- I, I sort of, I sort of spilled the beans a little bit earlier on the DojoVerse.com about the contest, but I will uh, fill everybody in tomorrow because that's when we really want to officially kick it off. I'll let everybody know what's going on and how to enter and whatnot. But until next time, remember, never never smoke smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week. Introducing the all-new Romeo y Julieta Passion. The story of this cigar dates back almost a year during a visit to the Flor de Coupon factory in Honduras. We witnessed the endless amount of passion and love the workers put into each and every cigar. This hand-rolled cigar uses a blend of Dominican and Honduran filler tobaccos, along with a rich and flavorful binder from the U.S. The wrapper is a zesty Ecuadorian Habano leaf that offers up notes of pepper, leather, nuts, and a dash of cocoa. Ignite your passion and pick up a box of the Romeo y Julieta Passion at jrcigars.com.